We are going today to be closing our series that we've been looking at. I, we were, you know, interrupted here. Not interrupted, that sounds bad. But there was a little pause as we went through Missions Emphasis, which I thought was wonderful, and it was a great experience for all of us to be able to uh, really understand the meaning and the significance and the importance of missions, and that is wonderful. And now we're back to the book of Philemon. Uh, we've been looking at it now. This will be our fourth week that we actually will be looking at the book of Philemon. Now, when we started this process, as I looked at the book of Philemon, uh, I wasn't exactly sure where we were going to go, to be honest with you. It was a book that, although I was fairly familiar with, I wasn't exactly sure where things were going to go. But as God always does, as His Word comes alive, as we're told that it is living and active in Hebrews, that God's Word has come alive, and I believe that uh, this progress that we've gone through as we've seen the book of Philemon and we've seen what's important and we've seen how to relate to God and one another. I believe these are timeless truths that we can apply to our lives both today and on throughout our lives. And so today we're going to finish up as we look at Philemon, but it has been a few weeks and uh, I promise this week we don't have another 12-point sermon. I know the outline looks long, um, but as we go through we're going to review get our minds back set on what Philemon is all about, and then we're going to look at some very key elements that we cannot afford to miss as we look at this book, and more specifically, even as we look at the Bible as a whole. And so we're going to take a little bit of a journey away from Philemon today, but yet at the same time relating it back. Uh, But before we get there, let's just start with a little bit of background. Uh, And I would encourage you, once again, we've read it a lot from the pulpit, but I would encourage you to read this for yourself. Even now as I go through the review, just follow along as we look at some of these verses and remember what it is that we are looking at as we come to the book of Philemon. All right, first of all, a little bit of background. Uh, We see that Paul, remember, he was under house arrest in Rome. He's under house arrest, and as he's there, uh, he writes a personal letter. This is a friend-to-friend letter that is written by Paul to a man named Philemon. Now, Philemon was a leader in the Colossian church, and and therefore he's sending this letter to him, but there's a specific reason. That specific reason is to ask Philemon to forgive and restore a man named Onesimus, who was a runaway slave of Philemon's, had run away from Philemon, and yet now had come to Paul, had gotten saved as a result of Paul's ministry, and now... Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon, even though Paul wants to keep Onesimus as we look at this book because he's been very useful for him. He wants to send Onesimus back to Philemon. He knows that's the right thing to do, and he's asking Philemon to accept Onesimus back, even despite whatever Onesimus would have taken from him or cost him in leaving. Paul says, now as he is your brother, he is no longer your slave. Please treat him as such. And that is what this whole letter is about. But underneath that, underneath that letter that Paul is writing to Philemon, what we've been able to see for three weeks now is that really Paul, in this letter, shows us how we can relate to God and then even more so how we relate to one another as Christians. And that's what we've seen. We've seen some truths that have been revealed about how we relate to God and to our fellow Christians. So we started our journey by looking at just the first two verses and a few other things that we could draw out to see how we relate to God. If you remember, we talked about there's three ways that we relate to Him. The first way is that we relate to Him as fellow prisoners. 
that you and I together are prisoners of the Lord, which means we all give everything up to Him. We are completely submitted to Him. He is the one in control of our lives, and we are simply there to let Him be that master over us. And that is what we are called to do. And then we talked about laborers. We are fellow laborers, that we work together for the gospel. We work together for God's glory. And as we work together, that is how we can relate to God. We work for His glory. We, it is not an easy life. It is a hard life of labor. It's not a lazy life. And then finally, as we relate to God, we relate as fellow soldiers, that we fight together. We fight evil. We fight against all things that are against God. And instead, we fight for Him. And we fight And once again, not a comfortable life. And what Paul is saying here as he writes from being in house arrest, as he writes this, he says, look, you are prisoners, you are laborers, you are soldiers. None of these things that are first thought usually is positive, and yet that's what he's calling us to, to be completely submitted to work for our Savior and to fight for him as well. And that's how we relate to God. And then Paul Throughout the book, then we start seeing then not only do we relate to God in these ways as fellow prisoners, laborers, and soldiers, we also relate to fellow believers by treating one another with what we called familial love. In other words, family love. The love of the family. We saw him call several people brother, child, uh, sister at one point, beloved. We see Paul using these types of words to show us that we need to treat and look at one another as brothers and sisters, as family and that we would true, truly have brotherly uh, love, affection. Those are words that we used as we looked at that. So then we saw, okay, well, if that's going to be the case, if we're to love each other as family, that was our last sermon where we looked at the 12 points, right? 12 points of what it looks like to love someone as family. Here, our fellow Christians. How do we love our fellow Christians? Well, if you follow along with me in verse 4, we saw that we need to be thankful for our fellow believers. In verse 4, we also saw that we need to pray for our fellow believers. In verse 5 and 21, we saw that we need to have faith in our fellow believers, believe the best about them. Then in verse 6, we saw we have fellowship with our fellow believers. We need to make sure we make a priority to be with one another, just like we would with our normal, our everyday, our blood relations. Our family, we need to be together. In verse 7 and verse 20, we saw this idea that we refresh our fellow believers. That we are not someone who is going to bring people down, but instead lift people up. And that is what we're called to do if we are to love one another as a family. In verses 8 and 9, we saw that we show humility to our fellow believers. That we put ourselves below. And we understand that we are nothing and that we put others first. We saw that. We also saw in verse 10 through 17... This idea that we forgive our fellow believers. The whole idea, I would say one of the main themes of Philemon ends up becoming forgiveness. As Paul is asking Philemon to take Onesimus back, he's also under the understanding of what Christ has done as far as forgiveness. And so we need to forgive one another. Verse 11, we saw we need to be useful to our fellow believers. We need to find a way to be able to minister and serve and be useful to one another. And then in verse 12 through 14, we need to be selfless. It goes very close to humility, but as we are not looking at ourselves more highly than we should, then we also see selflessness says, you know what, I'm going to put your needs, your wants, your desires ahead of my own. That means sometimes I might not be able to exercise my rights as a Christian, but I'm going to do whatever is best for you because I love you, I care about you, and I'm going to be selfless. That's what we need to be saying as Christians. And then we saw that we need to be impartial with our fellow believers 
The idea that as Paul sends Onesimus back, he says, look, don't look at him no longer as just a slave, but look at him as a brother in the Lord. And the idea there is, you know what, Philemon and Onesimus were completely different social, uh, in completely different social circles. They were completely, uh, you wouldn't see masters and slaves relate like family, but yet that's what Paul calls Philemon to do. And so what is that for us? Well, we need to make sure that we are not showing our love impartially, that, uh, that okay, I'm going to, uh, or I mean, we are showing our love impartially, that we look at somebody and say, well, I'm going to love you more than somebody else because you're different than me, so, and they're more like me, so I'm going to love them more. That's not what we're called to do. Uh, last couple things we also saw in verses 18 and 19, we are to be generous with our fellow believers. When we see someone in need, we need to reach out in love and give to them. And finally, uh, we need to be hospitable to our fellow believers in verse 22. Hospitable, open our lives up to others. You know, our houses, our lives, open ourselves up and say, I am willing to have you, remember, in my space. Which, by the way, that illustration of John being in my space has come back to haunt me. Okay, so now everybody who comes in my office is all like, okay, can I come in? Yes, you may come in my office, by the way. Um, but we need to be open with everyone, and that's the idea. So those are 12 things that we saw. Now, that brings us to today. And I think this sermon, and honestly, I didn't even know that this sermon was coming. I thought after the last one, I thought that was going to be our last one. Then as I thought about things, as I read through things, and actually as I talked to a couple key people in my life that were t- gave me some really good advice, and I think this sermon, without this one, the whole series doesn't mean anything. And so what we're going to look at today is finally how these 12 characteristics, what what the purpose, what the reason is that we show these 12 characteristics. It's not just because we need to love, but there's a more deep reason for it. And we're specifically going to be looking at the idea of imitation. Because here's the deal. In Philemon, when we look at Philemon, you could say, okay, this is an interesting book, but one thing it doesn't have any of, or really a lot of, maybe a few here and there, but it doesn't have imperatives. In other words, in Philemon, we see that familial love... We see what that looks like, not through Paul's commands. That's what we're talking about when we say imperatives. Paul's not saying, do this, do this, do this. This is how you love. This is how you treat a family member. This is how you treat a fellow Christian. You need to do this. Paul is not saying, this is what you need to do. And so it makes it kind of difficult to preach, to be honest with you. Because some Bible, some books of the Bible, you get in there and Paul specifically says, or another writer specifically says, do this, don't do that. That's pretty easy to preach. Hey, look at the Bible. He says to do this, so do it. He says not to do this, so don't. But now we see in Philemon that that's not really the model. This is an actually quite a different writing of Paul's. Usually Paul is very organized. He's got everything laid out just right, and he sets everything up with theology and then moves to commands and what we need to do in light of what we've seen in our theology. It's actually beautiful if you take some time to look at how Paul writes it's actually it's phenomenal what, he, what goes into here. As God inspired him, what Paul writes as God is giving him the words is really quite phenomenal to look at, and I would encourage you to do that. But in this letter, it seems different because we see it's, like I said, a friend to a friend, this letter that is not full of theology, a letter that is not full of imperatives or commands. But here's what I think we can see. As we look at the book of Philemon, here's the thing. We see what familial love looks like not through Paul's commands, but rather by his example. As he writes this letter, we can look at Paul, 
who we know a whole lot about as we look at the book of Acts and as we look at all of his writings, who Paul is, a man who persecuted the church because he thought that they were heretics. He killed, he's consented to people being killed, like Stephen. He persecuted people. And yet then God revealed himself to him, and Paul, at that point was Saul, became to, came to know Jesus, and then committed his whole life to sharing the gospel with everyone he could. And he became our first missionary, if you will. We just came out of missions emphasis. Paul was, is considered basically the first missionary. He was sent out to go throughout the world at the time, the known world, and to share the gospel. And we know all that about Paul, and we know that he was a man who loved God, a man who loved Jesus, who had committed his whole life to Jesus. And then we get a chance, a glimpse, to see Paul write a loving letter to his friend and to his brother in another church. And I think that is so powerful that we get to see this man that we know so much about not just tell us what to do, but live it out, and we can actually look at what he says and look at what he does, and we can understand what love looks like. So today we're going to talk about this idea of following the example of those who go before us in the sense that we are going to see the responsibility, the reason, and the result of following our fellows. If you know, we've been talking about this fellow idea and this might be the last sermon that I get to put fellows in the, ser- in the sermon title. But following the fellows is what we need to do. So as we look at Philemon, we can see the example that Paul is setting of how to love his fellow Christians. But here's the thing. Following his example and following the examples of those who we know, believe, and love Christ is not just only a good idea that we might want to think about doing, but actually we see it as not just a suggestion, but it is our responsibility to follow others who follow Christ. And that's what we're going to look at today. The first thing we're going to look at is the responsibility of following our fellows. As we look to Philemon, we want to see how we can love each other as family. We look to Paul's example. And it is our responsibility as Christians to look to those people such as Paul and to follow their example. And you say, okay, that sounds good, but where do we really see this? Well, first, we see that Paul tells us to follow his example. This is a point-blank thing, talking about imperatives. This is actually, Paul says, you need to do this. Uh, this is found in two places in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, um, and we are going to be going throughout the Bible. I, I will say this time and time again. I believe that God gave us the whole Bible. He didn't just give us pieces and parts. And so we want to look at the whole Bible together to see this theme emerging of this idea of following the example of those who come before us. So in 1 Corinthians 4.16, this is, this is another letter that Paul writes. And in this verse, <clears throat> he says this, Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. Okay, then you fast forward a few chapters, actually to verse 11, or chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 1. And this is what Paul says again to the church that is in Corinth. He says, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Two times in the book of 1 Corinthians, we see Paul actually saying, look, if you want to know what it means to follow Christ, if you want to know what it means to live a godly life, look at me. Imitate me. That's what Paul is saying. Now, you might say at first thought here, well, isn't Paul quite arrogant about this? Well, we could take a lot of time this morning to look at several other passages where Paul talks about how he is nothing. He talks about he is nothing. He is the chief of sinners, and he has no right over anyone else. And we could look at that. It would be its own sermon. So it's not that Paul here is being arrogant and saying, I know what life is like, so you need to follow me. 
But I think the second statement where he says, as I follow Christ, is exactly what we look at. That Paul, as he is humbly following Christ, that is the example that we can follow. Paul doesn't just stop here in 1 Corinthians. We look at another book that he wrote, uh, that once again, the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write over in the book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, we see the same exact concept. And in Philippians 3.17, this is what we see. Philippians 3.17 says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Once again, another church, writing to another church in Philippi, Paul says the same thing he said to the Corinthian church, and I would say the same thing that's being insinuated even in Philemon, is that you need to follow my example. That is what Paul is asking us to do. So Paul says, follow my example, but I think it's broader than that. We can't just look at just the life of Paul and say, okay, everything I need to do is based on Paul's life. There's actually, as you look through Scripture, a very profound truth, and that is that each of us is responsible to look to others in our life to follow their example as well. So the second thing we see is not only follow Paul, but we see that we are to follow the example of others, specifically others who are Christians, who are following Jesus, and that's our first point here. We need to follow fellow believers who are walking with the Lord. We were just in Philippians 3.17. What does the end of this verse say? Well, Paul says, join in following my example. But then he says, and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. So Paul is saying, look, I'm not the only one to follow. Follow those who you have seen be faithful to Jesus. If you've seen them be faithful, just like me, follow my example as I follow Christ. Follow their example as they follow Christ. And so we need to observe those who walk, the others in our life who walk according to Christ. And we look at them and we can learn from them. I'm afraid that we're in a society sometimes that we always feel like we always know best. I mean, typically this is seen as, you know, younger versus older. Like the younger person thinks, hey, this is the way life should be. And the older person says, no, this is the way life should be. And we can't agree, but both of us think that we're always right. I would caution against this attitude. We need to make sure that we are always looking to others who are following Christ, younger or older, those who we've seen be faithful to Jesus and actually understand that sometimes, believe it or not, all of us can be wrong at points. And we need to look to one another and say, I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to look to your example and I'm going to try to follow, both younger to older, older to younger. So we look to other people in our lives who are walking with the Lord. The second group of people that we should look to are the faithful people who have gone before us. The faithful people who have gone before us. In the book of Hebrews, many of you know, Hebrews chapter 11 is one of the classic passages of Scripture that we hear so often. Hebrews chapter 11 basically goes all through biblical history and it points out all the people who have followed God with their life and have committed themselves through faith to God. And it goes through all the way from Adam all the way down through. It goes, and we see so many different people. Uh, that, it starts at Abel, actually. It starts at Abel and goes all the way down throughout history. All the people that gave up even their lives to follow Christ, to follow God. To, to say, I'm going to have faith in God and I'm going to give my life for that. I'm going to have complete and utter trust. We see Abraham, we see Abel, we see uh, Rahab, we see so many. I could give you the whole list, and I would encourage you to read chapter 11. There are so many people that are mentioned in chapter 11. We call this the hall of faith many times is what you'll hear. 
specific people who are mentioned here to say, look, this is what faith looks like. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, this is what we see. The very first verse of Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, the whole idea of chapter 11 isn't just to say, okay, hey, we're going to look at all these guys and clap for them and say, good job. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11 is not a passage in which we glorify man. Hebrews chapter 11 are people that had faith in Christ, or faith in God above themselves. And as they had faith in God above themselves, then in Hebrews chapter 12 we're said, now follow their example. Since you've seen all these people, you know how it is to live by faith. That is what is, that's what's being said here in Hebrews. And so we see that we need to follow the great cloud of witnesses. Follow the heroes of the faith. We're not going to know what they did unless we read their stories. We read their narratives that God has given us about them in His Word. It's not even just about Bible characters, though. It's others who have gone before us. Uh, Men, women, who we know at one point were faithful to God and now have been taken home. And we look to their example and we say, I'm going to follow their example. I see their faithfulness. I saw the beginning to the end and I saw that they lived by faith. And we try and we do our best to follow their example. And we are called to do that. It is our responsibility. And then finally, uh, the last group of people that we need to look to, for example, are the leaders that God has given us. The leaders that God has given us, still in Hebrews, uh, just over in one other chapter, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember those, remember those who lead you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their, contact, their conduct... Imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. This is talking about the elders. This is talking about the leaders. Uh, And I would say this. We are called to follow the example of our leaders. Now notice this doesn't talk about following the commands of our leaders. Although I think sometimes we need to listen to what our leaders say because they are godly, wise people. But ultimately, what we're looking to follow is to imitate their faith. It's to follow their example. It's to follow what they live. And so I would encourage you, we've got leaders in this church. And you know what? At this time, more than ever right now, they need your support, your love, your, your help. But in all of this, look to them. And that's a big calling, and I want to say that too. If anyone who's called to be a leader, and maybe that's even you, and you're, maybe you're not an elder right now, not even a deacon, you know, you're not really sure where you want to fit in, you're, but here's the thing. Maybe you're sitting there saying, maybe I do want to be in leadership. Well, I want you to consider this, that we are called as leaders to create an example that people can follow. So it's not only the responsibility of the person who is not a leader to follow the leaders, but it's also the responsibility of the leaders to live a life worth following. And so we see these three sets of people, believers who are walking with the Lord, faithful people who have gone before us, and the leaders that God has given us. We look to them and we say, I'm going to follow their example. And that is important that we do. But why? But we see here, there's a reason though. There's a reason that we can follow these people. Why is this responsibly given to us? Why would we be responsible for following those people in our lives that are following God? Well, there's one important reason that Paul gives us for following the godly people in our lives. And here's the reason. Following others who are living godly lives is ultimately not about them. It is about Him. Following others is not about the fact that we're following people because they're good people. 
Okay, we can follow good people. There's lots of good people in this world, but I want to say this as we get into this next section, which I think is the most important part of this sermon as we look at it, the most important part even as we look to Philemon, is that the, as, our, as fellow believers are following Jesus, that's the whole point, is that we are not following them, we are following Him. There is a difference. So I'm not saying that you just look to anybody in your life that you think might be a good person and say, okay, because they're good, I'm going to follow the good things they do. No, we are talking about people who know Jesus, who have been faithful to Jesus, who have shown their faith in God, and that are living a life that is worthy of being followed. Now, that life that is being worthy of being followed can only come as a result of what Jesus Christ has done in their heart, what Jesus Christ has done in their life. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you remember going back to that verse, Paul said, be imitators of me, but then he said, as I also am of Christ. And then also, in 1 Thessalonians 1.6, we actually could see the same idea that Paul gives in that that verse. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 says this, it says, um, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord. You see, it's not just about imitating people. It's about imitating people that are imitating Jesus. That's the whole point here, and that's what Paul says. Look, he says, don't follow me because I'm some kind of good person that you need to follow because I and myself am good. Paul is saying, follow me because I'm following Jesus. So ultimately, what we see is that through following our godly fellows, that we see that Christ is the ultimate example to follow. As we follow our fellows, we see that Jesus is the ultimate example. He is the ultimate one we should follow because our life is about following him. It's not even, it's not ultimately about following other people. It's about following Jesus himself. And so we see here that this is going to be a very important theme as we look at Philemon. Uh, 1 John 2 6, if you're familiar with that passage, tells us that we need to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. It says, walk in the same manner as he walked. You see, once again, we see that Christ is our ultimate example. That we seek not to walk like others, but we seek to walk like Christ. And we see that as important. Uh, in Ephesians, love this passage, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, right off the bat here uh, in Ephesians. Or actually, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1, right here we see this. It says, therefore, and you can't get around this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. See, Paul is actually talking about imperatives and talking about commands. Here's what he's saying. Be like God. Imitate Him. Now, imitate, by the way, does not mean become, okay? Imitate does not mean, okay, become just like God. You're not going to become God yourself, okay? You're not going to become Jesus yourself. You're not going to become like someone else. However, what imitate means, as you look at the original language, it means to copy, actually to mimic, uh, to mimic is what it means. It's, it's, you're copying yourself. You're, you're copying the person. You're copying it into your life. And that doesn't mean that you become them. So you don't become God, obviously. We don't, um, there are some religions that believe that if you're good enough, eventually you become a God. That is not what I'm saying. But here we say, imitate God. Follow his example. Be like him. Don't be him, but be like him. And so Paul says, be imitators of God. And so we see that this is the point we need to come to. As we look at the book of Philemon, and we'll get there a little bit later, Paul is showing an example of love, but let's remember where that love came from. 
the reason he is showing family love to Philemon and why Philemon is going to be showing family love to Onesimus and why everyone is loving one another in Philemon is not because they're just good people that like to love people. It's because Jesus loved them and made a difference in their lives and so therefore they're following the example of love that Jesus has set. And so we see this. Christ's example shows us how to love as Paul showed us in Philemon. So Ephesians 5.2, we just read Ephesians 5.1, where it said, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And it says this, And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So what does it say? It says, Be imitators of God, but what is the main way that we can do that? Well, it's through love. And so we've been looking at this idea of love for several weeks now. And now we're said, look, if you're going to imitate God, you will love. You will love. So there's three ways this morning. We could look at so many more. But there are three things that I want to look at Jesus' life. And I want to say, these are ways that he modeled love. And as he modeled love, we should follow his example. Because he is the ultimate one we should follow. Remember, he is God in the flesh. Everything that he did on this earth, everything that he does, everything that he tells us, those are the things we need to be copying. Those are the things we need to be imitating. And so I want to go back to the book of John as we see in Christ's life during the gospel. Book of John 13.15. John 13.15, we see this example that Jesus sets for us. And if you know the context of this passage, many of you do, it's coming up around Easter time. And a lot of times we talk about this, it's, it's, uh, it's getting close to the end of his life and the disciples are sitting around and they come in and Jesus gets a water basin and he starts washing his disciples' feet. And there's a whole story that goes along with that. Well, Peter tells him not to do it, and, and, and Jesus says, no, I need to. And, and then Peter says, well, just wash my whole body. And, and there's that whole idea. But Jesus says, no, I need to wash your feet. I need to serve you. That is what Jesus is doing. And then we see this incredible verse in John 13, 15. John 13, 15, and it says this, For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Verse 14, going back one verse, says, If I, then the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And then in verse 15, For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. And Jesus says, look, I served. You need to serve. Jesus was humble enough to serve his fellow man. We need to serve our fellow Christian. We need to serve in love. We need to serve. Christ modeled service. We need to serve. And that's how we can show love. Another way that Christ modeled love was through sacrifice. God, Christ modeled sacrifice. Uh, different books, same author. I go over to 1 John. Book of 1 John. And we see this idea fleshed out for us. 1 John 3, 16. 1 John 3, 16. Which, by the way, I love that John 3, 16 and 1 John 3, 16 talk about the same idea. It's kind of cool. But anyway. 1 John 3, 16. says this, We know love by this that he laid down his life for us and why we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren as well. You see, what we saw here is that Jesus laid down his life and we should lay down our lives as well. Christ modeled sacrifice. We spent 15 minutes singing today about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. The death he died so that we could have life. And we sang that, and I pray and I hope that as we sing those songs, it's not just empty words, but we truly understand what Christ has done for us. 
He sacrificed everything for us. He loves us so much that he gave everything. He gave everything to us. He laid down his life so that we could live, and we are called to do the same. We are called to follow his example and do the same. And finally, we see that Christ modeled humility. Well, actually, that kind of goes along with what we just said. But Christ modeled humility. Many of you know this passage in Philippians, going back to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 talks a whole lot about Christ's humility, and it specifically says that we need to follow his humility. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. And this is what we read here. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Humility, selflessness, understanding that we are less than our fellow believer, that, we, that he put his rights behind for our sake. He gave up everything that he had in heaven to come down to live a life as a human, to die the death of a human. To obey God in everything. And he did that, and that was a, the most humble act that anyone will ever do in all of history. That God himself humbled himself to become a man. And we know that is to be true. And so Jesus humbled himself, and what are we told to do? Well, we need to have the same attitude. We need to be willing to put our rights aside for the sake of one another. So Christ modeled service, Christ modeled sacrifice, and Christ modeled humility. We should serve, we should sacrifice, we should be humble. Now, when we say those three things, you should be reminded of back to what we looked at in our 12-point sermon about what it looks like to have family love for one another. And you will remember that these three things were there. And I would say these three things kind of sum up all the other 12. Uh, All the other 12 that we looked at, if we serve one another, we sacrifice for one another, and we have humility with one another, all those 12 things are going to flow from that, that we will show true love to one another. And so here's what we see. I believe this with all my heart. As we look at Philemon, we see an example of a man who is following Jesus. A man who loved one another, loved his fellow believer because he knew what Jesus had done for him. He knew that Jesus had given everything for him. And so Paul said, look, if Christ can give everything for me, then I can give everything for you. I can give everything for my fellow believers. If he lived that life, so can I. And you should follow me as I follow him. That's what Paul says. And so we see we have a responsibility to follow others, but not because it's anything in them that is good. But we have a responsibility to follow others because they are following Jesus. And if we forget that in Philemon, we can get to the point where we start saying this, well, if I work hard enough at loving my family, then I'm going to be good enough to be acceptable to God. As I look to Philemon and you say, well, these are the things. Okay, I'm going to take these 12 things and I'm going to make sure that I work really, really hard at doing these 12 things and that'll make me more godly. That'll make me more spiritual. That'll get me to a point where I feel better about my spiritual life. All I have to do is obey these 12 things. That is not the point. The point of all of Philemon is this. Christ loved you so deeply, so greatly, so incredibly that all we can do in response is to love one another even as a shadow of the love that God has shown us. And we look at his example and we say that's what should be our motivator. Our motivator shouldn't be, hey, I need to get through these 12 checklists. I need to love people and I need to work hard at it. That's not the motivation. 
The motivation is, look what Jesus has done for you, and how can you do anything else other than turn and show that same love for one another? And I would say this as we looked at several weeks ago in 1 John. If you are struggling and you're saying, I don't love one another, you really need to understand and look and see if you really understand the love that Christ has for you. Because I believe if you truly understand the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you, that anything in this life that you will have to sacrifice, anything that you have to do to show love to one another, it should flow naturally out of us because we are just responding to the love that is already shown to us. And so if you found yourself after the last few sermons trying really hard to do some things and to love people better, I'm not saying it's not good to try, but understand what the motivation is. As you look to your fellow brother or sister, don't just say, oh, I really don't want to love you, but I will because it's what Pastor Ken said I should do. No, that's not it. You look at somebody and you say, I'm going to love you because Christ loves me so much that I can't do anything else but love you. That is what true love looks like. That's the point of Philemon. Loving one another, not because it's the right thing to do, but because it's what God has done for us and it is the right thing to do, but that's not the ultimate real motivation. So I want to get to one more point today, though, because as we see that we follow others as they follow Christ, as we find ourselves following others and ultimately following Jesus himself, there should be a result that will happen. And this result is going to make things come around full circle. See, because Paul was asking Philemon to do some things that Paul had already done. And so he's he's actually saying, Philemon, follow me and teach others to follow. So Paul didn't just stop there. So here's the last thing we're going to look at this morning, is that this, the result of following our fellows is this. As we follow Jesus and others, we become examples to others. It doesn't just stop with following examples, but it becomes us becoming an example as well. And I'm just going to scroll through these three verses pretty quickly this morning. But 1 Timothy 4.12, many of you know this this verse, uh, 1 Timothy 4.12, and it's used in youth group so many times, and I've used it so many times. But I think this applies to all people, not just uh, the youth, because it says here in verse 12 of 1 Timothy 4, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself to be an example to those who believe. Listen, if the young people of the world are called to live an example of what a godly life looks like, I would say it's fair to say that all of us need to live an example of what a godly life looks like. Because once again, we are following others who are following Christ, and as we follow Christ, then others should be able to look to our lives, and when they follow us, this is important, when they follow us, they're not just following us, they're following Jesus. That's the point. Titus 2.7 says something uh, very similar as well, where he says, show yourself to be an example over in Titus. Uh, And in Titus, we see that written to Titus, who was a leader in the church at the time. But let's once again understand that when it's in Scripture, I think you can say that it applies to all people. Titus uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Titus 2, 7 says exactly what we just looked at. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Paul is writing to Titus and he says, look, if you want to make sure that you're living your life right, you will live your life as an example, that your good deeds and your godly life will be an example. And finally, we look back to 1 Thessalonians. We already looked at this earlier, the same exact passage in 1 Thessalonians. But what we're going to see in this passage is what Paul says after in verse 
6 and 7. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 7. He's talking to the whole church of Thessalonica, and this is what he says. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And then it goes on and it talks about all that they've done to show that example. But here's the point. This church has said, look, you followed my example. You became imitators of us and of God. And you became that imitator. But then it says, look, after that, after you became an imitator, you became the model that others imitated. That is what Paul is saying to the church at Thessalonica. And I believe he's saying that to us today. Where we can say this. We follow the example of others as, we, as they follow Christ, so we are following the example of Jesus. And as we follow the example of Jesus, others should be able to look to our lives and follow Jesus as well. And that is important that we see. It is plain to see that we are called to follow our fellows as they follow Christ himself. This will lead to us following Christ and showing others how to do the same. So let's bring it back to Philemon as we close this series and as we close this sermon. Some lessons from Philemon then that we see as we understand all this idea of modeling, imitating, is this. Paul shows us an example of love for his fellow Christians. That's what we see in Philemon. He shows an example of how to love his fellow believers. But we see and we understand that Paul's love is merely a reflection of God's love for us. It's not something that he's drummed up within himself, that he's decided, I'm going to figure out how to love one another. No, he's looked to Jesus, he knows what love looks like, and he's following him. And then we see by following his example here in Philemon, we are ultimately looking to Christ. When we follow Paul's example that we see in Philemon of what it means to love each other as family, ultimately we're not just following Paul's advice, because by the way, this is written by God, not by Paul. Okay? We look at Philemon, Paul wrote the letter, but the Holy Spirit is the one inspiring it, and it's for us to understand what love looks like as we know that Paul knew what love looked like as a result of Christ. So then what about you? What about us? questions I think we need to ask ourselves are this. Are you learning from the example of other godly people? Are you looking to God's word and seeing the people that you can emulate? Are you looking in your life to see who is following Jesus so that you can follow them? Or like I said earlier, are you at a point where you say, I'm going to live this Christian life on my own. I can figure things out. I know how to live a, a godly life. I can do it all on my own and I don't need anyone else. That's a very dangerous place to be. That's not a place where Paul was when he's writing to Philemon. He's not, I mean, even at one point he says, I could command some things of you, but I'm not going to because I love you. The idea there is that it's not about us. We can't do it in our own strength. It's not about what we can do because we want to uh, be godly in and of ourselves. We need others. We need love of others. We need to love one another. The whole idea there is one anothering. And you've heard that before, but we can't live this life alone. But then... Bigger question than even that. Are you learning from the example of godly people? Sure, but are you looking at Jesus to be your ultimate example? Like we talked about earlier, as you look to love and you look to live a godly life, don't do it as a checklist of do's and don'ts and make it to a point where it's all about works and it's all about doing things. When you love one another and you live a godly life, it's as a result of looking at Christ. And when we look at Christ, when we look at the sacrifice that he gave that we sang about this morning, we shouldn't be able to sing those songs and then leave and forget all about what we sang. We should sing, sing those songs, understand that Christ has given all for us, and when we leave these doors, that should transform everything we do and say from that point on. When we understand the sacrifice of Christ, when we understand the love of Christ, it should change us completely to the point where we love one another unconditionally. 
So are you looking at Jesus as your ultimate example? Or are you just trying to once again think that you can figure things out on your own? But then finally, the last question is, are you setting a godly example for others? So as you follow others, as you follow Christ, if you're doing those things well, then are other people able to look up to you? And I would encourage this. Look at your life and say, am I living a life that is worthy of being followed? Am I living a life in which Jesus has made such a difference, that he has made such a difference in my life and completely transformed my life, that when someone else looks at me, that they can see Christ through me? That's the question we've got to ask. So what is it that you might need to get right with God in order to get to that place? Well, you've got to consider that. That's for you to ask God and to call out to Him. And I would also say this, be intentional about setting an example. Don't just say, well, yeah, I'm going to live the best I can, and if somebody happens to see me, that's great. I'm going to follow Christ the best I can, but, and if somebody happens to see me, that's wonderful, but if they don't, they don't. No, I would say be intentional especially an older person to a younger person, but it doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. As you follow Christ, I would look to somebody who you know is struggling and I would bring them right alongside and say, hey, let me show you what it looks like to, to love Jesus. Look, let me sh- Paul did it. So don't look, it's not an arrogant thing. Like, hey, you want to know how to love like, live like Jesus? Come see me. We're good. Don't worry. Just follow me and everything will be good. No. Hey, I see you're struggling. Hey, can I help you out? This is what I've learned. This is what I've gone through life to to understand. This is what I understand about Jesus, and I believe that it can help you. So be intentional. Be a mentor if you want to call it that. But like I said, that kind of says it has to be an age thing. It doesn't have to be. Follow Christ. Look for someone else that you can help follow Christ through your example as well. So these are three questions we need to ask. Make sure you're following the example of godly people. Ultimately, make sure you're looking to Jesus and make sure you're setting a godly example that is based on the sacrifice that Christ has made so that others can follow you. So I'm going to close with a passage that sums up our entire series on loving one another as we follow Paul's and Christ's example on how to love one another and spread this example out. And it's in the book of John. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. So I'm going to read this verse. And then I'm just going to say a few last words, and then we'll close our service. This is what John 13, 34 through 35 says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John 13, 34 through 35. These are Jesus' words directly to us. He says, look, I'm giving you this command that you love one another. Why do we love? Because he loved us. He says, why do you love one another? Because I have loved you. So you love one another. He says it twice. We need to love one another as we look to Christ's example of love. Well, then he, then he finishes it by saying this. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He says love one another three times in this one verse. But this last point is this, that we are setting an example through love. So all three things that we looked at, we, follow the Christ, that we, we love as we follow Christ's example, and then others can follow ours or see our example as well. So I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're in a place where you don't even know Jesus, you don't understand his love. Well, it's going to be really hard, actually impossible, for you to love one another and love others if you don't know what it means to be loved by Jesus. Because another place in First John it says, we love because he first loved us. 
So if you don't know the love of Jesus, if you have not accepted that love that he's offered you through the sacrifice that he's made on the cross, make today the day that you find somebody who knows Jesus and ask them how you can have a relationship with him. Today is the day that you can be saved, that you can understand who Jesus is, and you can give your life to him and understand love, maybe for the very first time of your life. Ask someone that you know knows Jesus. They will share that with you, no questions asked. If today you're struggling and you're just struggling in your life to, to either follow Christ's example or to show an example to others, ask him what you can change, repent of what you need to repent of, and look to be intentional about living a life that is worthy of being followed as people are looking to follow Jesus. That closes Philemon. As we look at Philemon, we look at Paul's example. Let us live out that example so others can follow us. May it be said of us someday that we can write a letter of love to someone that people could look at and say, hey, that's a good example of Christ-like love. With all that, let us just close our service and prayer. Actually, before I do, though, I want to make two things. Easter's coming up, right? We just talked a lot about this, about sharing love. Easter's coming up. Jesus sacrificed for us, rose again. In the back as you leave, there's booklets you can take. Uh, these are 10 days of devotions that you can read during the Easter service or Easter time. I would encourage you to do that. The other thing, real quickly, you'll see that we're not doing communion today as we normally do on the first of the month. The reason for that is we have a Maundy Thursday service in which we do communion, and that is the Thursday before Easter. We would encourage you to come to night service. We do communion, and we're able to really remember the death and resurrection of Christ. So I'd encourage you to attend those things. And I would encourage you to take one of these as you leave. You can take one to read for yourself, or even more importantly, share the love by sharing it with other people. And so as, we, as you remember those things and as you remember what we've seen in Philemon, let us close our time together in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for this morning again. And I want to thank you for the book of Philemon. I want to thank you that you included it in your holy scriptures, that you inspired Paul to write that letter to Philemon, that we can see what love truly looks like. But God, even more than what Paul showed, we know that the only reason Paul could show love is because you loved us and loved him. And so, God, I pray that this morning we would understand your love better than we ever have understood your love before, and that would inspire us, that would lead us to a life of unconditional love for one another. God, that you would help us to look to you. Ultimately, every part of Scripture is all about you, and help us to look to you and what you've done and what you've called us to do in response. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time you've given us. I pray that you would bless us all as we go forth, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.